pull out my props. I have props today. See, I'm learning from you. <laughs> I'm going to get those out. But I want you to hear the story first. We're going to read you the, the Bible story that we're going to talk about in the sermon today before you guys have been doing after uh, that I'm going to talk to all the adults about, but I also want to talk to you about. Okay, so the story is in um, Luke um, chapter 13. We'll start in verse 10. Now he, that means Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. <clears throat> and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that was crippled, uh, that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But then the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which to work, on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of his ox and his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free? from this bondage on, on the Sabbath day. When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things he was doing. May God bless the reading of his word. Thanks be to God. Okay, so so you heard the story, but so I'm going to start with this. What do you see here? What is this? All right, what do you see about this? What is this? What's wrong with this spoon? It's bent. You're right. It's bent. Can you imagine trying to eat with this spoon? What you would go? What would you do? You go down and then you put it to your mouth and then oh, I got it all over myself, right? So it's not kind of acting properly, is it? It's not what it should be, right? And so, do you? So in the story, maybe you heard there was a woman who had been crippled for 18 years. And they said that she was bent, right? And maybe you know some people that because of injury or sometimes it's just age that we, we get to where uh, we might be bent. Sylvia has a brother that fell off a tree when he was, when he was uh, eight years old. Some, oh, he was younger than that, five. He, and he broke his arm in such a way that he's got, his arm is a little crooked, Okay. But it still functions just fine. But uh, but so you, you'll know people. And so in this story, we knew of one. And what did Jesus do? Jesus healed the woman, helped her to stand up straight. Well, there's another idea. Have you, there's, a, there's a term called bent out of shape. And we don't always just talk about that as physical. Sometimes it's kind of attitudinal, right? Or it's about people, how they act in, in the world. Right. So what what this would be would be like maybe you've seen this happen. 
maybe at a grocery store or maybe at Target or something, when you saw someone, maybe a child close to your age, who was yelling and screaming because they didn't get what they want, right? It was a little thing that caused them to get emotionally bent out of shape, right? Have you ever seen that? No, you haven't seen that. Well, good. And hopefully you never act like that either. <laughs> right. So, but sometimes people get, and you know who, who, get, who got bent out of shape in this story? Do you remember? She, now, she was bent physically, and Jesus helped her straighten up. But then there was somebody that was angry in the story. It was the leader. Uh, and the leader said that she, she shouldn't be cured on the Sabbath because they had a rule that you shouldn't work on the Sabbath. And he thought that that rule was more important than helping the woman. And so he was bent out of shape. And so what we want as Christians is to always know how to take care of people and not to get bent out of shape about little things. Okay? So will you pray with me? All right, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, help me to love all that I come in contact with. Right. And help me to not get bent out of shape over little things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you can talk to your parents a little bit about that Ben Al Shapes thing, because I don't know that I explained it very well. <laughs> not, to your, not for your understanding. God bless you guys. I had to put fire to this to make it center this morning, because if I would have pulled it over, it would have just broke. So, All right. Daniel, what was the name of that song? The one you just played. For the beauty of the earth. And, and is there a line in that song that says, uh, this is this our hymn of grateful praise? Right, but that's, it does that, have that, right? Exactly. Um, that made my heart sing. And it made me think about a, a conversation I had with a young man yesterday. He's, uh, he's in his mid-20s, and he's he's got a... a he had a life. He's having a life-changing accident. Uh, he survived the accident, but his life will never be the same physically. It, it is. Ch it's changed his life. And yesterday, I, I've been with visiting for regularly for over a, a month now, because he he was very critical at first. At first, when I met him, I met his mom, but he wasn't speaking. Um, now he he's able to converse and he's he uh, and. Uh, so every every part of his body, but the injured part, is doing fairly well. So, um, and tomorrow he's got a big procedure uh, that will change his life. And um, and yesterday when I said I saw him and I said, "What would you like for me to pray for today?" And he said, "I'm grateful I'm alive." And that your song maybe maybe when I started thinking about that that line in the song, this is our hymn of grateful praise. I thought about this man, this young man, and uh, and how he's going to trust God, even though his life is forever changed uh, because of the accident and all the things that are happening. But um, he'll have to, he'll go forward, and how that gratitude uh, hopefully will help him walk and take the next step. Uh, and so I want to thank you. Um, that was beautifully done. Appreciate you. Yeah.
So as we look at our scripture today, um, there's several things that we'll be asking ourselves. I, I have serendipitous healing. That's kind of the meat of it. It's the middle of the story for me. Uh, but there are several things, uh, questions that we might ask is, what, how do you and I practice the Sabbath? It will be the first thing that we'll talk about. And then the second one will be, uh, uh, and, the, well, and the value of the Sabbath. We'll talk about, uh, we'll, the, the sermon will talk about that. Uh, and then, have you ever experienced a serendipitous healing? And we'll, we'll visit some more about that. And the last question, which is probably the most uncomfortable question, is, you know, are we kind of, what, what do we have in common? with that religious leader, right? Where the rules are more important than people at times. So we'll have to, we have to look at that. I didn't, I almost knocked, knocked that one out because that was the most uncomfortable one and I didn't know exactly how to talk about that just yet, but we're gonna, we're gonna jump into it anyway. So, so before we do all of those things, um, I, want you, I want you to see the placement of this scripture. Um, Luke, uh, 13, the first nine verses of that, we actually, uh, we had a sermon on that back in March, where when Jesus was, uh, uh, he told the, the disciples and the people around him to repent, to pay attention to their life, and that, you know, there's some tragedies that had happened, and so you think they, those tragedies happened because they were bad people, and he's saying, no, you need to pay attention to your own life. And, and look at your own life. And then he did the parable. And uh, he talked about, he told the parable of the barren fig tree. Remember that? You remember when he, he talked about how that barren fig tree and he, the owner of the fig tree was ready to cut it down. But the gardener said, no, no, let, give me one more year to nurture it, to, to, to till the soil around it, to fertilize it. Uh, in a real sense, kind of telling, it was it was almost like saying to, to people, pay attention to your life because there's some nurturing that needs to be done and, and maybe there's so that you can bear fruit too. So then we have our scripture that we had today, but then what comes right after it is Jesus tells two brief parables. Uh, uh, and the theme of those those two parables, uh, of the mustard seed and the leaven bread, leaven in the bread, is what? Is the kingdom of God like? And I think we see a picture in this story about Jesus in the synagogue uh, and his encounter with this woman who had been crippled for over 18 years. About, I think we see a, a sense of what the kingdom of God is like. So first, let's talk about the value of the Sabbath. I'm going to point you to a couple of scriptures about the Sabbath. Um, Genesis 2, the first three verses says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that had, he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Because of it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. He hallowed it, that he paused in his life. He stopped to, in a sense, rest. You know, I don't think of God as resting, but he paused. I call it a holy pause. That Sabbath is a holy pause. The second scripture is observe um, the Sabbath day. Oh, this is, excuse me, uh, this is in Deuteronomy the fifth chapter. There's other places where the Sabbath is talked about, but these are the two I'm going to talk about today. 
Um, uh, uh, so uh, Deuteronomy 5, starting at verse 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the, uh, the resident alien on your farm so that the, your male and female slaves may rest as well as you. Remember that you were slaves were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arms. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Amen. So when, as we think about those two scriptures, they, as they attend to the idea of Sabbath, um, the genesis of the practice uh, was to rest as God did on the seventh day after the creation. In Deuteronomy, we see more specific development of the practice, the do no work, and who all everybody's not to do any work. And not, my resting should not cause somebody else to have to do any work. So the, that development, with the additional edict to remember, to remember the benefits of God, especially the freedom from oppression. As Christians uh, and in our culture, as just people living in our culture, we would do well to think about how we truly rest for the purposes of holistic restoration. Many tend to push their bodies to the limits, discounting the value of rest, the value of sleep. Have you ever heard the statement, I'll sleep when I'm dead? I have. I've seen that. Uh, actually, I've heard that from um, high-powered administrators at one time. This mentality works against our holistic nature, of uh, the holistic nature of our humanity, and can cause great harm, arrogance, or at least the denial of the natural limitations of what it means for you and I to be human. Now, with electronics and multimedia compounding the obstacle to rest, one can go through an entire day without silence or pause. I acknowledge the addictive tendencies of a handheld device. Um, there's many times a day I'll look at it when I don't need to look at it. It just it's become a part of habit. And the use of this device late in the evening uh, can delay rest because it stimulates us and it makes it hard to go to sleep. Our culture may be losing or may have already lost. And I'm wondering about us as Christians. Have we lost the value of pausing, of resting, of reflecting? Sabbath. Practicing Sabbath or holy pausing is truly essential to yours and my holistic nature 
our, our health. Uh, and then for any of us that has works in service industries like Marcus and I, and pastors, um, any of us, if we, practically speaking, without proper rest, we are in danger of hurting ourselves first. But who's next? If we're in the service industry, we could hurt somebody else. As a daily, not just a weekly routine, Sabbath helps us to live also more with more purpose. This is really the point I want to. When we do not practice pausing and reflecting, it causes us to live a life that's more instinctual, meaning we just live out of habit rather and less intentional. And this more instinctual lifestyle makes us a slave to those habits because we're doing them without thinking about it. The practice of Sabbath in Deuteronomy, this Deuteronomy text, calls us to remember that God wants to free us to holistic living by helping us to remember that God, how God has already freed us at one time or another. So we reflect on how God has helped us and changed us and freed us to godly living. And second, by reflecting on our needs for freedom in this present, our present everyday life, where we might, that pausing helps us to think about where am I tied to a habit too tightly? Uh, and it's hurting, not just healthy life. So how do you honor the practice of Sabbath or holy pausing in your own life is one of the questions, one of the reflective questions I hope you'll take from uh, this time today. So Jesus did this. His, this the, the setting here is on the Sabbath. So let's talk about what happened. I call it a serendipitous healing. What's it like to be in the presence of God? Think about that for a moment. You think about, well, how do I get to the presence of God? Hopefully our coming to church here today is, is actually putting ourselves in the presence of God. And if we have a, a routine pausing in our, in our lives, we recognize that's kind of an opening up space to holy ground where we are. And then hopefully over life, maybe we can grow to the idea that, you know what, maybe I need to open up to God being at work everywhere. But it takes a while. In this story, if we think about what's it like to be in the presence of God, in this story about Jesus, and if, if this story gives us a clue, we might find that serendipitous healing could occur. The woman was unable to stand up, uh, straighten up, and this impairment, uh, impairment limited her view. She could not even look at the sky without considerable effort. I just I was imagining what it the condition of being bent over and how hard it is would be just to look at the sky. Yet in spite of her mobile disability, or maybe because of it, she went to the synagogue as part of her religious devotion. Because of her own spiritual life, she had brought that to her. That was a part of her life. And seeking inspiration from the holy to live her life the way it was. She placed herself in the presence of God by going to the synagogue. 
I don't have any sense that she knew Jesus was going to be there. Maybe she did, but maybe she didn't. The, the scripture doesn't say that. She went to the synagogue, and her healing came as a free gift through Jesus. Notice, she did not ask for the healing. The story doesn't say anything about her asking for it. So as I read this, I thought, I wondered, if I had ever experienced a serendipitous healing from God, and I couldn't think of any a physical healing, but I did think of a couple of emotional, spiritual healings. Uh, once uh, I attended a spiritual gathering. Uh, it was close to Father's Day. This was over. This was like if Father's Day this year would have been thirty years ago. Okay, my father had just had died in March, um, and I think I've told you some stories about that. And if I, I'm sorry if I've told you this one. I, you have to listen to it a second time. Um, at this gathering, um, uh, we were to honor our fathers. And honoring meant speaking the truth about our fathers. And um, I had, uh, up to that point after his death, I, I realized that I had some anger harbored with him because of the broken relationship that we had had. Um, my, my parents divorced when I was about five, and he was in Florida. I ended up in Kentucky, and uh, the, so relationship in all our ways. Though later on, when I became a teenager, it got, we began to have more contact, more routine contact. So during the, uh, during the cer ceremony, we were given two um, groups of uh, cloth, and they were strips of cloth. And uh, one was red. I, I can't remember the color of the other one. It's either green or gold. I think it was one of those two. So the red strip, and we started with this, was to, to tie that to a part of our body where our fathers had wounded us. Um, and there were a couple things I had thought about, and I, I found, and I tied that as appropriately as possible. And then... Um, then uh, we went through that and spoke about that with a group of people, trusted of men. And then the, the second part of the ritual was to, to take the other cloth and tie it to the part of our, where our bodies were. Our fathers had blessed us. And when that happened, when we started talking about that, I realized, I remember, I was like, oh, you know, Dad, when we were 15, when I was 15, he asked my mother, he doesn't like my mother, and my mother didn't like him, <laughs> um, and he, but he asked her, he said, I'd like the boys to come spend the summer. And for the next four or five summers, I went, I would go in between schools uh, from into, when I was in high school and into college. And um, at first, it was kind of hard because it had been some resentments built up, but over time, it, it got to be where I, my father and I, began to have a loving relationship. And in that moment, I, when, after his death, I would just focus on the broken part of our relationship. But in that moment when I was asked to think about how my father had blessed me, I realized, you know, he asked for us, which means he loved me the best he knew how. And I, I couldn't judge him from my perspective. I had to understand him from his. And when I did that, the anger just went away. 
never to come back. And so that was one of my spiritual, one of my spiritual serendipitous healings. It was as if in that ceremony that I, when I came to the new awareness, like the woman was able to straighten up, I was able to stand up straighter and see my life and my relationship with my father from a different of different light. And healing came. Uh, something I never expected. So, have you had a serendipitous healing? I'm sure we have. I would encourage you to reflect on this. One more thing about this story. I want, to, I want you to know this. Because I think the healing can come in this as well. Not just the physical aspect of it. Notice that Jesus touched the woman. Now, since she was bent over, and that would have been seen as an ailment, she would have been marginalized in her community because of her disability. Because she would, an evil spirit, as you can see the way they talk about it, is that Satan had done this to her. Jesus could have healed her with a word. He could have just said it, and she could have straightened up, as he had done before with other healings. But he, he, he calls her over, and he touches her with her healing hand. Now, this, way, this was a way of welcoming her into the community of God. It's a demonstrative action because it would be so different from everybody else in their presence. They would have kept their distance from her because she would have been unclean. And Jesus did not. He touched her. It teaches me that God's love, yet God loves and welcomes us into holy community. Even when we don't feel like we're lovable or others don't think of us as lovable. Finally, and, and most uncomfortably, as I said at the beginning, let's look at the behavior of the religious leader. Now, when you and I read the Gospels and we see how the religious people uh, get, are getting all bent out of shape about what Jesus is doing, and then Jesus has to correct them. How do we identify with those religious leaders? Do we deny that we, that we are any way like them? Or can we see how we can be more like them than we would like to admit? William Barclay, uh, 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 in his commentary, brought out some things that uh, caused me to ask this. What do we value more as religious people? Do we have a heart for the suffering person? Or do we sometimes our religious practice? Barclay said, the president of the synagogue and those like him were people who love systems more than people. So when I think about systems, think about your, it's a system of life. It could be a system of uh, as we live as a community, but it's also, the, my, I have, we have internal systems as well as, as communal systems. So it could be either one. It's just doing it different than we've ever done it before, right? And so when something comes up as it relates to caring for people in our church, 
are we first looking for ways to make it happen? Or are we, are we looking for the problems that might, it might cause? Right? Because it's not the way we do things here. Those kinds of things. I don't have any specific examples, or, uh, but, yeah, but I do think it's important for us to think about internally, uh, individually, and corporately about how we, how we are we caring for the people. We do some really good stuff about caring for the people, but is there, are there ways that we might be able to do more, but we are just, we're just not sinking broad enough as God would call us to? The second thing that Barclay said was Jesus' actions in this matter makes it clear that it is not God's will that any human being should suffer one moment longer than is absolutely necessary. So if we see a need and we can help that need, is there a way to get to it right away? So if this woman came to Jesus on another day, this wouldn't even have been an issue, right? And if this woman was dying, it wouldn't have been an issue either because an acute thing, they had an exception <laughs> for the, those. But he was criticized for doing it this way and at this time. And so, uh, so I think that the important question for you and me to ask is, you know, does the way I want to get things done, do things, is that, does that sometimes get in the way of me really caring for people that God would want me to care for? So that's a sobering question, but I think it's an important question for us to think about. So, in conclusion, as we, we think about this story, may we, with God's help, practice the discipline of Sabbath, holy pausing, understanding that, as in the Deuteronomy passage, causes us to remember that God, the times that God liberated us. But also, if are there other things that we need to be liberated from so that we can be the people that God needs us to be? May we also, with God's help, reflect on how God has serendipitously, serendipitously healed us. Or at least, if not healed us in some physical or emotional way, just the idea of accepting us into God's holy communion or a community that we know that with God through the Spirit that we belong to God. We are actually God's children to allow that to be a healing in our lives. And finally, may we, with God's help, care for people more than the for the ways uh, that we are used to getting things done. Right? If it if God Please help us to see a, a, if we need to do it differently to take care of people. Don't let my attitude and my way of doing things get in the way, right? Let's pray. Lord God, as we look at this story, it's a beautiful story. At how you, Lord God, touch us. As Lord, if we can have holy pauses in our lives... We open ourselves up to your healing, your grace, your wonderful community to be in your presence, Lord. And yet you don't force that on us. No, you don't, you're not one that says, here, you got to sit down and do this. You are always, you know, wooing us and 
inviting us um, to be in relationship, but never forcing us. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to find these times of holy pausing so that we might feel the community that you want to have with us and also the healing that we need so desperately to be free and intentional about living a life in Christ. And Lord, always help us in those times when we pause to be honest, um, to say, Lord, when am, where am I getting in the way of what you want me to do? And what do I need to be liberated from so that I can be more the person you want me to be? So Lord, help us in that. And bless us, Lord, to be your light uh, each and every day uh, as we walk from this place and spend this week out in the community. May we be the light of Christ wherever we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to read, uh, sing, excuse me, uh, What a Friend. Uh, yeah, thank you, Michaela, for coming. If you, uh, uh, if you are not a member here and you want a, a community of faith, this is a great place. If you have any other decisions to make, feel free to come forward and we will pray about those because we want to love like God loves us. Amen.